This is the Peter Creek Presbyterian Church Podcast. Here at Peter Creek, we honor God by making more disciples for Jesus Christ. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged with this week's message from Pastor Kelly Baldridge. When we think of the Reformation, we often think of Martin Luther. We think of him nailing the 95 Thesis on the wall of the Castle Church in Wittenberg, Germany. We think of the revolution, not revolution only, but the reformation that occurred uh, through the Lord's grace and work and Martin Luther and other reformers after him, like John Calvin and Ulrich Zwingli. There's not a test after the sermon, so if you don't remember those names, it's okay for today. But we also think of the five solas of the reformation. Sola is a word that just means alone, And so there are five of them, Scripture alone, Christ alone, faith alone, grace alone, God's glory alone, speaking of salvation. But we also need to think about worship, worship. The Reformation has something to say to us about worship and how we worship God, how we are to stand before a a, a holy God as those who have been declared just, those who have been declared righteous, uh, is very important indeed, but also how man can worship God in a right, holy, and reverent manner is also uh, something that we also should consider. For instance, Scripture alone made the Reformers eliminate extra-biblical ceremonies and rituals that our worship is to be according to God's word and that alone. We're not to add things. We're not to take things from culture and and somehow bring them into the church. Those rituals that uh, tradition says to do are not to be done in the worship of God because of Scripture alone. Christ alone reformed the Mass. The Roman Catholic Church uh, would see the Eucharist as a sacrifice Well, for us, we see that the Reformation allowed us to worship God not with the Lord's Supper as a sacrifice, but as a supper, that it's a meal, not a mass, that it's administered by a pastor and not a priest. Faith alone led us to worship God according to what the Scripture teaches us that we ought to believe. And so what we believe is what we do In worship, we read the word, we preach the word, we sing the word, and we pray the word. And it is through the scriptures we come to believe God. Then also, grace alone led the reformers to worship God in prayer. In prayer. Why? Because it's in prayer that we are reminded of our dependence upon God. That as we pray, we pray to God because we are completely and utterly dependent upon Him. And we are dependent upon His grace. Now all of worship was to be to the glory of God alone. And so I want us to consider this today. And to do so by considering why God would have worship to be to His glory alone. Why is our worship alone? on the Lord's day, to be to His glory 
alone. And we'll consider this by looking at God's institution of the Sabbath day, and we'll consider it by considering the fourth commandment. For the commandments of the Lord tells us that we are to honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. So I'm indebted to some who have gone before me and helping me understand the fourth commandment. Anything that I give to you today is not new from me, but it has been given to me from others before me. So we're not going to get caught up today as well in the debates about the Sabbath day or the Lord's day. We could mention here the blue laws. You remember the blue laws? Do you remember? Some of you don't do. Some of you don't know. Some of you may think, well, that means we're to... to um, to root for Kentucky and then see it. No, the blue laws had certain laws, certain rules about the Sabbath, about the Lord's Day, that businesses were closed. Alcohol couldn't be sold on Sunday. There are certain rules and regulations that occurred because of the blue laws. Now, we're not going to get into what you can and can't do on the Lord's Day because that's not what Keeping the Sabbath holy is about. It's not a matter of understanding what you can and can't do. It's a matter of understanding why God has given it to us in the first place. And so that's the direction we're heading this morning. But let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing on the reading of his word, which will be in Genesis chapter 2. Father, we come to you in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and we ask for you to speak to us powerfully through your word. Give us strength, give us energy, give us hope, give us help. God, would you meet with us as we've been ushered into your presence? And would your word convict us and transform us and do it by your spirit, we pray and ask in Jesus' name and amen. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. This is the word of the Lord. I want to begin by asking this question, or a couple questions to you. Why does God care how you worship? Why does God care when you worship? Why does God care that you worship? These are questions we hope to answer. And as we begin by looking at Genesis 2, there's something that we need to point out and need to see. If we're actually to go to verse 31, we see that God has made everything. And when he makes everything, he makes man and he makes woman and he gives them to one another. And he sees that his creation is very good. And then comes the seventh day. God's creation purpose has been completed, but now his purpose for the creation is not finished, but rather it's just begun. So God created, and the purpose of his creation is over. 
Verse 3, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. In other words, we can say it this way, God created man. He created man. And now he wants to enjoy him. God created man. He created man for himself. And now he wants to enjoy man. It is on the seventh day that God has given to man. Remember, Jesus tells us in the New Testament that the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And we'll mention that again in a moment. But now that the Lord has finished his work of creating, his activity of creating, he is resting. But his rest is not a ceasing from activity. It's not as if God says, look, all my work is done, and now I'm done with anything and everything. I'm just going to sit back and relax. Rather, it is a ceasing from the work of creation. It is complete. But now God, in the seventh day, in his resting, it's not a matter just of physical rest because he was somehow tired. He is not tiresome, for he is God. But rather, God in the seventh day wanted to enjoy that which he made. God wants to enjoy man. And so when we think of the Sabbath day, when we think of the Lord's day, and when we think of worship, and even thinking of the Reformation, there are a few things for us to learn today together. First, the point that you need to hear is this. God takes time for man. God takes time for man. Eric Alexander says he wants to enjoy man and for man to enjoy him forever. God's desire is to enjoy that which he has made. God's desire and his joy is found in delighting in that which he has created. And it is not until he makes man and woman that he would say of his creation, it is very good. He has made man in his image. He made man without sin. That, that man was made holy and happy as God is. That God desires to walk in the garden of the cool of the day with Adam. That is evident in scripture. He wants to enjoy man. And he wants man to enjoy him forever. In other words, God wants to give himself to man. God wants to enjoy what he has made, and he has built for us relationship with himself. So God does all his work so that he can enjoy his creation. Those six days God has worked, he is prepared to work so that he could finish his work, so that on the seventh day, God could enjoy everything that he had made, in particular, man because he has built us differently than the animals. He has built us differently than the mountains and the stars and the sun and the moon. He has built us differently because he has made us in the image of God, that we can look out at a sunset and think, oh, so beautiful. But God doesn't look at the sunset and say, oh, so beautiful, and then look at man and say, oh, how wretched. But rather he looks at his creation of man and says, oh, how precious to me. Being reformed in our worship means understanding that worship is not simply us coming and putting on a show or a performance. We don't come here just to put on a show. In fact, if we were to list 
What is, what, who, is, who is Sunday for, for instance? Some people that are really concerned about church growth and actually don't understand what biblical church growth is would say that the Sunday is for lost people. It's for those who do not know Jesus. Well, no. But then we might go a little bit holier and we might say, well, Sunday is for the church. For the people of God, they come and they're fueled up so that they may go out into the world and share the gospel. And indeed, that is part of why we are here. But I need to tell you, there is a greater purpose for worship. There is a greater purpose for the Lord's Day. It is for God. Our worship is not for the lost. Our worship is not for you. Our worship is for God. We are coming here to enjoy him. We are coming here so that he may enjoy us because God has set aside the Lord's day so that he may enjoy you. So we hear God call to us throughout our week, throughout our struggles, throughout our turmoil, throughout our pain, throughout our grief, throughout our sorrow, throughout our battles with unbelief, throughout our doubting. We hear God call to us, come, come, let me enjoy you. Come, come and worship. Come and enjoy me so that I also may enjoy you. God is calling out to you, Christian, to come and enjoy him. What would happen if you believed this? What would happen if we as a church believed this, that, that this place, there's nothing special or unique about this place. The building is not what matters. But what matters is that God calls us here and when the people of God are here, where two or three are gathered in my midst, there I will be. What's special and unique about this place is that God is here. Now, I've heard it said that some will say on their bass boat on Sunday morning, you know, I feel really close to God, closer to God on a bass boat than in the pew on Sunday. And my response to them is, you're right. You are closer to God, but it's not the God of Scripture. It's a God that you've made in your own image. It is a false God. It is something that you are worshiping rather than the God who tells you, come and let us enjoy one another. Come and enjoy me. Come so that you may delight in me. So God takes time for man. Have you ever considered that? That this day, so that God would enjoy you. But secondly, man is to take time for God. Not only does God take time for us, but he tells us to come and take time for him. God does not tell us that on the Sabbath you are to avoid any and all activity. He's not saying that you shall rest from everything, that this should be a day of inactivity. But rather, 
we need to see that God is telling us that we are to actively be giving ourselves to him in return. God says, I am giving myself to you. Now you give yourself to me. We are to delight in him and have fellowship with him because you were created to be in relationship with God. Mark 2, Jesus teaches the Pharisees the truth because they condemn him and his disciples. It says, one Sabbath morning he was going through the grain fields and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry and he and those who were with him how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. So Jesus uses an Old Testament illustration. But then notice what he says. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now there's a couple of things to see here that this is a day that God has designed for you, for your good. And the way that you actually fulfill this and understand it to, to be something that actually brings you true joy and true delight and true happiness is for you to take time for God. Jesus says, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So the Sabbath was made for man. Those disciples were were able to eat and to do as they had done. There was even law providing that they could do it in the Old Testament. But Jesus' point is not to say that the disciples are just able to eat what they're picking from the grain fields, but rather he's saying, what are the disciples doing? They're spending time with the Lord of the Sabbath. They're in fellowship with him. Jesus, when he says that I am the Lord of the Sabbath, he is actually proclaiming that he is God. Here's Jesus saying, I am God. And it is better for the disciples to be with me on the Sabbath than for them to be resting on their laurels at home. They're with me. We're not to use this text and say, see there, I can go and go out to eat and, and do this and that. That's not what the point is. The point is to say the disciples were making time for God. If God has made the Sabbath for man, why has he done so? It's not so that we can fill it with the activities that we like to do. No, it's because he has given us the greatest gift, himself. Sunday itself is not the greatest gift that the Lord has given us. He is. He is. And we're called to come and enjoy him. Whenever the church meets on the Lord's day, you are called to come and enjoy him. Morning and evening, if it's available, come and enjoy God. Not simply out of obligation because we tell you to do it. No, so that you would enjoy God so that you would come and experience him, so that you would come and be ushered into his presence and rejoice in your great God if you do believe that he is great. If you do believe that he is 
worthy of worship and praise. It's no wonder the reformer John Calvin would teach that worship is the central concern of Christians. It's not some peripheral matter, but the whole substance of the Christian faith. This is what you were called to do. This is what you've been given an opportunity to do. This is what God has called you for. Worship of God. Now there's another part of this truth. We come actually to bring joy to the heart of God. The Lord doesn't ask us to come and bring uh, all of our money, all of our time in, in that aspect, or our talents, if you want to say that. He just tells you to come. You, come. Let me enjoy you, he says. You come and bring joy to the heart of God. So when you make time for God, you're making time to bring him joy. Honor the Sabbath by concentrating on what really matters. Eric Alexander also said this, we cease from making a living to call to mind the meaning of living. So Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday, we are making a living. Monday through Saturday, we are working and providing for our family, providing uh, for ourselves, providing for us. But it is on the Lord's day that God has given us to remind us the meaning of why we exist. Because on Monday through Saturday, we can get caught up in our work, so much so that we think, is this all to life? And the Lord is telling us that's a good question to ask because the answer is no. And Monday through Saturday as we work and as we toil and as we labor and remember because of the fall that work is hard and difficult and not enjoyable. That on the Lord's day, we are reminded this is why you exist, to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. The Lord's day is here for you to remember what really matters, what really counts, what is really important. The Lord's day reminds us that what we do most of our time is not our purpose in life. Whether it be our schoolwork for those who are younger or, or athletics, whether it be our hobbies or our work or or even other things that, that come to our life that are not necessarily bad in and of themselves. Sports and athletics and hobbies and, and work are not bad things in and of themselves. But they often fill most of our time in our lives. And it's through the Lord's day that God reminds us those things aren't your purpose in life. Your purpose in life is to worship me, to honor me, God says. Because ambition in life falls short. Pleasure in this world falls short. Riches fall short. That's why Jesus would say, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so we come on the Lord's day to enjoy God and for him to enjoy us and for him to speak to us through his word.
The Sabbath was meant to remind us that God will supply all of our needs. And so we cry out with David, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Meaning and purpose in life is not found in being absorbed in our own pleasures, in our work, in our business, in our hobbies, our sports. Those things will deceive us. They call to us and say, come and find meaning, but they will fall short. Life is not found in these things themselves, but rather in putting these things under the lordship of Christ. Is Jesus Lord over your work? Is Jesus Lord over your retirement? Is Jesus Lord over your calendar? Is Jesus Lord over your hobbies? Is Jesus Lord over your studies? Is Jesus Lord over your sports? The Lord's Day reminds us to ask those questions. The Lord has also given you the Lord's Day before you feel deflated. The Lord has given you his day to raise you up. Isaiah 58 has these beautiful words. In Isaiah 58, 13, it says, If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The Lord says to you, the Lord speaks to you. If you want to be raised up, Honor the day that he has given you. But ultimately, notice what he says. You shall take delight in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Now, we can use an illustration here. Let's say that you and I have company coming over. And what do we do when we have company coming over? You can shout it out. You clean, right? You clean, especially the bathroom, certain places. Uh, you might, if your mother-in-law is coming over, you might even do some dusting. You prepare, don't you? You prepare for them to come and, and visit with you. But what happens when they get there? You've prepared a big meal. You've cleaned your house. They come and they look around. They admire your furnishings. But then they have a seat after maybe the meal. At the meal, they're doing this as well. But especially nowadays, they grab a seat and then they pull out their, what? Their phone. And they start scrolling through Facebook, checking Twitter, if any of you know what Twitter is. What would that do to you? You've prepared for them. You've worked so that they would be there and enjoy you. It would make you very sad, wouldn't it? It would hurt you. Oh, that we would consider that when we think about the Lord's day and his preparing it for us. That we can actually come on the Lord's day and actually be here and be present, but yet not be present. And so we are to honor the Lord's day. We are to understand that God has given it for us to raise us up, to enjoy him, to make time for him. 
So God gives himself to man, and man is to give himself to God. And third, and finally, the Lord's Day prepares us for eternity. Our worship on the Lord's Day is a foretaste of glory divine. It is a foretaste of the worship of heaven. It is a foretaste of what it is to be like in heaven. Now, unfortunately, our worship doesn't always meet the standards of heaven, does it? But rather, we are still to see that the Lord's Day prepares us for what is ahead. Israel was headed toward a rest. They were headed toward a promised land, but they did not believe God's word. And those early recipients of God's grace who were taken from bondage into freedom were not able to enter into the rest of the Lord because they did not believe. So rest is offered to us and is offered to us in the coming of Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 4, we, we see this. Hebrews 4 is a chapter about the Sabbath. It's about the Lord's Day. It's about the fact that there's a rest for us. In verse 8, it mentions Joshua. It speaks of Israel. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. There's a Sabbath rest to come. There's this reminder in the Lord's Day that Christ is coming again. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. The Lord has given us rest, a rest to come. And that rest is found in the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus Christ. For it is Jesus who famously says to us, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. He is the one who arose, and so the Sabbath has a new day. It's not the last day of the week that we celebrate the Sabbath. It is the first day of the week, for it is on the Lord's day that Christ rose from the dead. And he is the one who comes to bring us peace with God. He is the one who will bring us again to the cool of the day where we will walk with God in unity and freedom and in peace. The Lord's Day points us to eternity as well. It's the day of the Lord. In Revelation, we know these words so well, but let us consider them again. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven, and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And the Lord's day is a foretaste of that. We long for the day of the Lord when these things will be no more and our joy and peace will be complete in him and we will dwell with him and we will have that relationship with him and for eternity, 
He will enjoy us and we will enjoy him. And God has given you a foretaste. Do not neglect it. Enter it by ceasing from your works. Enter it by faith, seeing in obedience to the Lord. What should you do now? Treat the Lord's day as he has intended. Cease from those things that are not your ultimate purpose. Cease for finding your purpose and satisfaction in this world with those things that will ultimately not fulfill you. And as your church gives you opportunity to come and enjoy God, come. Do you want to see Phelps changed for the gospel? Believe this. Oh, that they would see a church that is committed to enjoying God. Cease from those things that are not your ultimate purpose and give yourself to God. Here is call to come to him so that you may enjoy him and enter into his rest. And let me address one group of people. Some may be here, others are not here. But there are times in our lives when we go through things that are so difficult and so hard that we want to bottle them up inside and stay away for some reason from here. But you need to understand that the Lord has given you this day so that you would bring all of that pain and all of that anger and all of that grief and all of that sorrow and all of those struggles and you would bring them to him so that your burdens would be lifted. Your brothers and sisters can help you carry them. But ultimately, you bring them here so that you may enjoy God and that he may enjoy you. And we can trust that if that's what we do with those things in our lives, that God will remove the burden. So what I want from you today, I just want you to hear the Lord calling to you, Christian. Come, let me enjoy Most gracious Father, we thank you for the Lord's day. We have often failed to honor this day and to keep it holy. And so we are thankful that Jesus Christ is the Lord of the Sabbath. We are thankful that Jesus Christ has fulfilled all righteousness and our hope in standing before you righteous is not based on our own merit or our own striving, but instead we cease from those types of works in order to try to earn our salvation where we know there will be no rest if we try for there is no earning of our salvation. And so we rest from those things and Lord, Help us to rest in Christ and his finished work. 
For as God finished his creation and said, it is very good, we are thankful, O God, that Jesus Christ finished the work on the cross and said, it is finished. And our hope now is that it is finished. And our hope now is that we can come and enjoy you and enjoy you with brothers and sisters in Christ that you have brought us together. And so we rejoice. And you are grateful. Thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, who is indeed the Lord of the Sabbath. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If God has used this message to influence you or you would like more information about our church, connect with us on the Peter Creek Presbyterian Church Facebook page. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages from Pastor Kelly Baldridge.